Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is Authentic Conversations around the messy intersection of faith, family, and business. And welcome to my new house, my new office. I'm sitting in the office. Might sound a little bit tinny. Just uh, we're still working out, unpacking. I'm surrounded by boxes. Uh, we have just, I just got a, a desk built, actually found someone who built it in two days. It's kind of a, a woodwork looking bench, workbench looking desk. It's great, solid. I might even send you a photo of that. It's pretty cool. Uh, But I'm looking out over the street. It's green on the outside. It is a beautiful little location. But today I want to talk to you about the journey. Uh, Do I wait or politely push? It's sometimes not so polite. You know, what does faith look like? So here's the situation. Good news. We are in our house after uh, moving June, what was it, June the 3rd, we left California, June the 9th, we arrived in Pennsylvania, and then it's now July the 28th, we've moved into our new house. Uh, Very different to what we expected, it's six weeks behind my schedule, but I think it's in perfect time with God, but what happened what I thought would be an incredibly simple process, pre-approval for loans, uh, history with the company, uh, moving forward, income is actually increasing, it's looking great, but not so when it comes to an underwriter. The person I'm working with has been fantastic, but the underwriter for the company has been difficult to say the least. Some of the questions clearly communicated that they don't understand business. They're very much used to uh, someone on a paycheck compared to someone running their own business and what that even looks like. So what that means is our closing, I thought it was going to get delayed. It was running that tight because of some of the questions were being asked and I'm scratching my head and we're going around around and what happened, It their final approval came through 6.30 p.m. the night before we closed. So it's one thing for me. It's another thing for my wife and kids as we've got everything organized and we're not even sure. Is this, do we need to get another Airbnb? Is this going to be longer? Do we need a hotel? What do we do with the dogs? It, it just is stretching. So that was one. Then we get into the house, and in spite of giving the moving company uh, 27th of June, we let them know the 28th of July would be moving, or 29th of July would be the first day we'd love them to, to land. I call them, and they say, oh, oh, who are you? What, what are you doing? Uh, where's it come from? And I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing here? Is this for real? Yes, they are. And... The uh, person who answers the phone just gives me kind of a blanket answer. Well, you know, according to the contract, we've got 30 days after your first delivery date for us to deliver. And I'm thinking, this is not okay. And so in the middle of all of that, just heads up, four days later, after some persistent phone calls, polite persistence is what I called it, and, and a lot of patience, in behind the scenes and conversations with some others and a friend who said, oh, hey, do you want a lawyer involved? That's where we got to in this process. I didn't play that card, but I was getting close. So what does faith look like in this situation? Do I bang down the doors 
or just pray and wait for God to move and wait for them to follow through on what they said, we'll call you. Well, that wasn't happening. Like, do you just play it out and, and be passive sitting there? Do you call the lawyer or, and like add some heat? I mean, we're, we're on the East Coast. It's New York, New Jersey, where a lawyer friend of mine says, we eat, uh, we eat lawsuits for breakfast. They wake up, they have two lawsuits before breakfast. They kind of just used to that. I'm like, yeah, that's not a good way to do business. So here's what I did, and here's what I'm learning. What's the context? Do I wait or politely push? What does faith look like when you're in the middle of this? So first, the perplexing lesson that I'm learning is that when I pause and ponder, God, what are, you, are we doing okay? Am I, have I missed something? Like it feels like I am having to fight for every single step. I am so grateful for what we've got. I'm so grateful for who we are. I'm so grateful to be walking in a neighborhood where people stop and talk. And the amount of people that I've met, uh, it's hilarious. It's almost like every second neighbor either works for Johnson & Johnson or Merck. It's just, oh, wow, this is a pretty interesting community, but super friendly. I'm loving all of these different things. I'm loving the experiences that we've had. But to get into the house and then to get our, get our things sorted, it's like I'm having to fight for every single step. God, have I missed? Am I doing something wrong? Like, is he sadistically looking, watching us walk through this or... Is actually, does he know that there's good going to happen and is actually loving watching us in the process? Well, here's what I know. It's not the first one. He's not sadistic. He's not the God of no, who's distant and indifferent. He's the God who's upfront, close and personal. So close and personal that he actually jumped into our humanity and he walked among us to show that he's the God of humanity. He is your God. He's real, touchable, tangible. He is not unacquainted with his own sorrows, but he's closer than our skin and nearer than the air we breathe. And he knows that it's all working for good. And He's actually working on our behalf for good and watching it. The key is, how do I learn and lean in and listen to his voice and adjust along the way? How do I navigate what to do in the moment? So if he's with me, he's leading and guiding, he's only good. Why is this so challenging? Why am I having to seemingly fight for every step when he's already paid the price? So here's... For you, if you're walking through anything like this, you've got a promise and you're walking into it and then you've got challenge after challenge after challenge, either internally, so you, you become aware of your own dysfunction or imperfections is a nicer way to say it, or it's things around you, like people around you are just being blockheads. Like, really? That's a stupid question. Why would you ask that? And then you're thinking that on the inside, you're not actually saying it out loud. But that's what's going through. What is going on? So number one, firstly, just some context. But number one, God is not afraid of your humanity. Humanity, He joins you in it. Now, this is credit to Chris Vallotton, who spoke a message two weeks ago, just, just articulated so much of what was going on for me. So here's a couple of scriptures. Exodus 3, 6. Moreover, God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So here's a little thing. Jacob means liar or deceiver. 
So when Jacob was living this out, God encountered him. Jacob wrestled with God and then God literally put his hip socket out. So from that moment on, he was walking with a limp, but God changed his character and changed his name to no longer calling him Jacob, the liar and deceiver, but called him Israel, prince with God, father of a nation. So surely God would call him God the Father. I am, the, I am your God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel, the redeemed, the cleaner, the nice, nicer version. No, he calls him, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob literally names himself after the unredeemed, unrefined nature of Jacob compared to Israel. God knows you, knows who you are, knows all your dysfunction. He's not afraid of it, and he actually meets you in the middle of it. And what's our response? It says this, Hebrews eleven twenty one. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. What's the point? Is at the end of his life, this patriarch of Israel, who was called Israel, he's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. He gets to the end of his life and he says he worshipped while leaning on his staff. It's in the Bible. It's a faith act. What's your staff? That was the symbol of his dysfunction, his imperfection, his pain, and his inadequacy, his challenge. In and on the midst of that is where he worshipped. So what's the action for me and for you? To celebrate, to be grateful, to be thankful, and to worship in all circumstances and in all imperfections. It's part of the process. It's okay, God's not afraid of it. Don't stop, but keep walking, but lean in it. But don't be afraid of it because God's not. He actually meets us in the midst of our imperfections, our dysfunctions, and he calls himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of the liar deceiver. That's powerful. So that's number one. Number two, this is credit to a new church we just visited over the weekend. I got to meet some different people, George Matthew Um, different pastors there. He spoke this weekend and he pulls out this scripture that was just so beautiful that I was sitting there just getting light bulbs. That's like God was joining the gaps, connecting the things together. His name is George Matthew Clash is the pastor. Wonderful church, wonderful session. And here's some things that got highlighted. So Proverbs 30 verse 5 This is the Amplified Version, but you can look in the show notes, links to all different versions there. Every word of God. So every promise, every direction, every word of God is tried and purified. So in different versions, when you combine them all together, every word from God is tested, tried, and proven to be pure. He is a shield to those who trust and take refuge in Him. What does that mean? When God speaks... Is going to anything that God speaks to you is going to be tested. So in 1 Peter, it talks about uh, one, actually, in 1 John 5, it talks us about the, being an overcomer, having victorious faith. Well, how do you be an overcome and have overcoming faith? It is by having to overcome something. There's something 
in our life and DNA and calling and who we are that you don't just get a 50 cent trophy. Actually, you have something to overcome. Uh, have you noticed that uh, literally that if you go to sports with the kids, they get these trophies and those trophies are worth 50 cents, a dollar, an emblem, and they mean nothing but if you had to overcome a challenge in order to get that, that 50 cent hunk of metal is priceless. What's the point? We have to overcome something. The very fact in nature that we overcome is what gives us a great reward. It tests, it refines, it proves character, and it reveals the nature of God in us. The test is not to knock you out, it's actually to prove you. It's like to show you how much you have got in you. You have no idea the depth of the strength of the character of God in you until you face something that is beyond your own ability. Well, how do you do that? We get a word from God, then you act in faith, and then that's tested, proven. You fall down, you get up again. And that results in 1 Peter 1.7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, those little gold trophies, fake gold trophies that perish, though it is tested by fire, though faith is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. What's the point? Every word from God will face challenge to prove it true and genuine, not to knock you out, to actually prove that you've got something on the inside of you, that when you go through trial and challenge, that's what gets revealed, that you have this victory because of Christ who's already overcome every single challenge, even to the point of death. Hebrews says this, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. So come on, Andy, pick your head up, Pick yourself up. Let's go. You can do this. God is smiling. He's not different. He's not afraid of your dysfunction, of the fact that sometimes you get irritable and angry and lash out. Repent, clean it up, get going, keep going. So what's the action? Be encouraged in the midst of challenge. Persevere, for you will get through this and come out the other end stronger, more confident, and more pleasing to God without faith it's impossible to please God. Here's the problem. In order to have faith, you've got to do something that you cannot do in your own ability. So if you're facing anything that's beyond you, welcome to the journey of pleasing God. You are making Him smile. Keep going. You're not alone. Be encouraged in the midst of your challenge. Here's number three. So do I push? Do I bang down the door? Do I turn up at that... Uh, New Jersey depot with our moving equipment with my own truck and pick it up? What do I do? Well, here's a couple of scriptures that'll help. So I was reading Joshua, the book of Joshua, and here's a couple of scriptures. One, Joshua 3, 4. Since you've never traveled this way before, hmm, that's me, they will guide you. What's they? That's, it says this, carry on, stay about half a mile behind them, It'll become clear in a moment. Keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. So what was happening is Joshua, God spoke to Joshua. Joshua's telling the people, the priests are going to carry the ark and they're going to walk towards from where we are into the promised land. Now, if you're like me, I can see where I am 
I can see where the presence of God is. I can hear where he spoke to me. I can see where we're going. I can draw a straight line between now, the presence of God, boom. And I'm, I'm not waiting. I'm just, let's go. Let's like, boom, we're into it. But here's a key. It says this, you have never traveled this way before. As in, you don't know what you don't know. So keep a distance between you and the presence of God. Follow the presence of God. Don't assume that you know what to do. So what does faith look like? Faith looks like waiting. Faith looks like slowing down and being patient and taking time daily to listen to his voice. It takes is to pause and be still. So uh, I don't really like that kind of faith because I want to just get it done, people. I'm, I've got a family that needs a house and I've got things I can take care of and I know people that can force things. But he says, just wait. Faith looks like waiting, keeping a gap, slowing down. Breathe, Andy. And then contrast that with Joshua 3.13. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the God of all the earth. As soon as their feet, the priest's feet, touched the water, the water of the Jordan River that was in flood stage. So picture this. You've got three million plus people and you tell those people that as soon as the priests touch the water, the water's going to stop. So is that waiting or is that acting? Well, it's, it's actually acting. So faith that acts, as soon as their feet touch the water, as in not before, not half a mile behind, but as their feet touches the raging river that would carry them away and kill them, as it touches that situation of massive adversity and conflict, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So Joshua 3.13 and Joshua 4.18 is what happened when it actually took place. So I want you to picture this is you've got 3 million people following you. You're standing up and you're saying, okay, firstly, faith looks like waiting and following. That's kind of easy and hard at the same time. And then the flip side of it is faith that now tells everybody, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. And it's not going to happen until I knock on the door, make the phone call, step my foot into a place where I could die. But God's going to make a way in the moment, not before, but the very moment when I touch, when I touch the wood, when I pick up the phone, it doesn't happen before. So that's faith that acts. Well, so what is it? Is it faith that just follows, faith that waits, or is it faith that acts, that initiates? That's a good question. So it's, the answer is yes. Yes, it is. So here's Isaiah 26. Eight. Here's how you know. Do I act or do I wait? Joshua says both, and there's different times for both, but it's actually the same time because it's the same group of people. Joshua, that's Joshua. Isaiah 26, 8 says this. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws. I, walking in the way. So that's acting as I'm, as I'm doing, as I'm walking forward. It says, we wait for you. Hang on a moment. Walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. That's not waiting. Waiting is stopped, isn't it? Well, perhaps it's not. 
Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. As I walk, I'm waiting. What does waiting mean? Then it carries on. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. So what does that look like? That looks like God, come back to that earlier conversation. I celebrate, I'm grateful, I'm thankful. I'm keeping my heart tender before him. I'm coming for him, I'm listening, I'm learning. I'm listening for his voice and his promptings. I, I see his presence, or for me, that's the peace of God. It's the, it, it, I don't have a hesitation on the inside. I actually have peace to move forward. It's not fear compared to a hesitation. It's actually a confidence. God's in this, and I'm listening for that. But as I step forward, I'm making the phone call to that moving company, firm, polite, persistent. Hey, this is not okay. We let you know this date, this date, this date. I keep a record. I write down the conversations that, I, that I've had. I've got an, a growing list of every conversation, of the communication, so that if it goes to the next level where there is a lawyer involved, I've got it written down. So I'm not naive I'm innocent as a dove and as shrewd as a snake. But as I do it, I'm keeping polite. I'm keeping grateful. I'm keeping honoring. Thank you. Thank you for your help. Uh, the last morning, which was like the fourth day of calling multiple times a day, the first call was, good morning. And I knew the person's name, so I used their name. Good morning. Do you have good news for me yet? And she says, actually, we do. And... But there was this persistence. I called the, the, the company that put me in touch with that moving company, spoke to them, asked them, is, this is the situation we've got. Is this normal? Is this, am I the only one that's having difficulty with this company? And they tell me, no, that's our best company. I'm like, I'm getting ready to give you guys some feedback, which will be this what happened, this what happened, this what happened, to help people be aware. But I'm doing it because I want to help others not make, not walk into this blindly. But what's the point? It's do I wait or do I act? Yes. The answer is yes. How do I know? Because I'm walking as it says in Isaiah 26.8. Walking in the way of your laws, walking with what you've given me, walking with what I know, listening to your voice. As I walk, I'm waiting for you. So as I'm picking up the phone, check my heart and attitude. Pray for the people. Uh, even when the moving truck finally arrived, uh, I was thinking, who's it going to be? Because the guys that picked up our stuff literally tried to rip me off. As in, it was a $2,000 mathematical equation, which was completely wrong, and I refused to sign the papers. He calls his boss, comes back, and adjusts it. But I'm like, I do not trust you guys. Now, I didn't say that, but here's, they're going to deliver our stuff I'm feeling like I want to give someone a piece of my mind. Okay, God, I forgive them. So we literally got ready with cold water. Do we need to get them something to eat? So that we're ready to honor them because of who we are, not because of who they are. So walking in your ways, I wait for you. I'm direct. I'm persistent. I keep polite, but I have the conversations that I need to have. And 
I know who to talk to if this goes to the next level. So what's the action? Keep your heart tender toward the Lord. Trust his guidance. He truly is the good guide. Keep walking. Do what you know you need to do. Be listening to that internal hesitation. Or do I have peace? Keep walking and let your action be done from and in a way that would still represent God. E.g. polite persistence. I will keep ringing. I had a call an hour ago where they still have a pallet of our furniture at the depot. When I caught, when the moving guys turned up yesterday, I spoke to them. I was like, is this all? Because it was a smaller truck. He's like, he called the head office. They said, oh, yeah, there's another pallet of your stuff. I'm like, good. When is it going to arrive? He says, oh, this afternoon or tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's now today. Nothing, no phone call. So I called them. And the lady that answered my call said, oh, I've got your paperwork. I thought that job was all done. I was ready to file it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Every word of the Lord is tested, refined, and proven to be pure. This is going to work for my good. What about all the broken stuff and the thing that's been water damaged? This is going to work for my good. This is pleasing to God. He's revealing more of himself in this. And literally every step of the way, I'm going to come out better, stronger, faster, walking longer. Why? Because God is only good. He's for me. And even when I mess up, I'm going to still worship while leaning on my staff, leaning in the middle of my mess. Hey, I bless you in the midst of your decisions. If this has been helpful for you, please don't hesitate to comment, post a comment, share it, or email us contact at heavenandbusiness.com. And if you'd like to join a community growing together through this messy intersection of faith, family, and business, meet us at heavenandbusiness.com backslash free trial. We'd love to see you. Have a great week.